0: How many of you today have a sense in your heart and a a cry in your heart to say, Lord, I, I need you to do a new thing in my life? If that's you, I wonder if you wouldn't stand, just right where you are, just believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something and shift something here today. I believe the Holy Spirit has announced a new season in the life of our community, in the life of our church. But that includes a new season for every one of us and for what God wants to do. And for some of us, that may include some radical things like moving or changing vocation or something. But for many of us, it's just a a wind that blows into the places where we're already serving, but a fresh new momentum and a fresh new fruitfulness. Our Our theme for this year is more fruit. And so I just want to trust God with you for that. So can we pray together? Lord Jesus, you know every special Child of yours here today, those that are joining us online, even on the radio. Thank you, Lord, that you know each of us. You know the plans that you have for us. You know the purposes that you have called us to. You know the good things that is in your heart and in your mind for us, Lord. And Father, today I want to, in this space announce in the spirit it is a new day. And I pray for a new thing in every believer that is crying out and saying, God, I need you to do a new thing. And I, I speak that new thing in the, in, the, in the miraculous way to unfold in your time, in your way, in Jesus' name. We know, Lord, that sometimes we, we sense a new thing needs to happen, but we don't know how, we don't know what. But we leave that to you because we trust you, Lord. And so we, we just step into that by faith, in Jesus' name. By faith, we lay hold of that for which you have taken hold of us. And we lay hold of the new thing in Jesus' name. We receive it by faith. Just say, thank you, Jesus, for the new thing that you are doing with us and that you are doing with me in Jesus' name. And we all say together, amen Amen and amen. You're so welcome to take your seats. Thank you for just giving me that moment, that opportunity. Uh, As Lena said earlier, over these weeks, we're very privileged to have friends that will come and share with us uh, from different perspectives and engagements. And this morning, we're very privileged to have Peter Tarental with us. Peter serves on the International Directorship Team of Operation Mobilization, or OM, as many of us would know them. They are a a mission-sending organization that uh, is active in 147 nations across the world, training, raising up missionaries, and supporting them in the places where they feel by, feel called to by God and, and sent to. Peter also holds leadership roles in several other teams uh, across our nation, across the globe, and even uh, in, and on our continent, and so it's a great privilege, Peter, to have you come and share with us. Won't you give Peter a real good, warm, Hatfield welcome? I, I think you need to do better than that because he lives in the Cape now, and uh, you know... And we need to show him some Gauteng love also. Welcome, Peter. It's so great to have you with us.
1: Thank you. Thank you you so much, Pastor Louis. It's great to be back in Pretoria. I actually lived in Pretoria for 25 years, by the way. And um, I still do miss Pretoria. I am called to the Cape. So um, Pretoria has been my home for many years. And for those of you who are Afrikaans-speaking, You will appreciate this. So let me just... A few, some years ago, about while I was still living here, I spoke to a friend of mine who was my soccer coach. I know it doesn't look like I played soccer, but I did play soccer for many years. And he worked with me. So I called him, and I was speaking to him in Afrikaans. And I was speaking to him in good Pretoria Afrikaans. And he says to me, Peter a So he he said he didn't recognise me because Pretoria had such an influence on me, but it's been great. Thank you for that word this morning. Where's that sister who gave the word? Yeah, oh, there you are. This week, the word that I had been meditating on was the word seasons. And yesterday, I was with, a, with colleagues of mine who had retired or were retiring much older than in their late 70s. And they're wrestling through this. And we were talking about, what does this season look like for you? And I sensed in my spirit as I was sitting there, maybe there's a season, a new season for Hatfield. I don't know. I, I just sensed that maybe there is a season coming That God is preparing this church for. Let me just pray. Father, if that is so, please unleash, Lord, over Hatfield that which you want to do in and through this church, in Jesus' name. Amen. Our theme this morning is uh, being witnesses to the reign of God through giving, praying, and going. So let me just read um, Acts chapter, from Acts chapter 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, and of course the former book is the book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after given, giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John, baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has said by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It really is wonderful to share in this series, and I pray that God will use every cent that is given for his glory. So again, thank you, Lena and Brian and Pastor Louis and the church leaders for your obedience in blessing, being a blessing to the nations. I believe that God blesses us and that's what Psalm 67 says, verses one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us And make his face shine upon us. And in verse 2 says, so that his ways be known on earth, his salvation among all peoples. Michael Frost uh, is professor at the University of Morling in Perth, Australia. And Michael says this, the main mission of God's people is to alert people everywhere to the reign of God. The main mission of God's people is to alert people everywhere to the reign of God. My wife Kathy and I, two weeks ago, we went to the latest installment of the Mission Impossible series. How many of you have watched the movie already? Yes, it was a, it's a long movie, but it's a great movie, right? So, in the words of Tom Cruise, the main mission of God, should we accept, is to alert people everywhere to the reign of God. We announce and demonstrate the reign of Christ our King everywhere. Everywhere. And it's so it was so great to see on your letterhead, this, your strap line, God's kingdom in hearts, homes, and beyond. That's why, as Pastor Louis said, our starting point is always the kingdom. So let me make a few observations. Firstly, we are participants in the kingdom. It says in Colossians 1 verse 13, for He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. We become participants in the kingdom when like the early disciples and the apostles, we choose to become followers of Jesus. My friend, the the best thing you can do if you are not there yet today is to become a follower of Jesus. I was just a youngster when I made this decision, and I've not regretted it one little bit. Because once you are a follower of Jesus, you become a participant of the kingdom. It says, He appeared to them. And over 40 days, what did he speak to them about? This was most probably his last message before he was taken um, away from them. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Right? So, Chris Wright writes this. Fundamentally, our mission, if it is biblically informed and validated, means our committed participation as God's people at God's invitation and command in God's own mission. Friends, so often we think that mission is only an add-on of the church and it is just a little department over there. No, we have the privilege to join in the mission of God. This is God's mission, Missio Dei, the mission of God, and it is our privilege to join in. And God has His people everywhere. The church is growing phenomenally. You know, on this continent where we are, in the year 1900, there were 8 million Christians. Today, conservatively, there are 600 million Christians on this continent, the continent with most Christians on it, is this continent. God is at work. <laughs> I visited a place called Tbilisi last um, last year in September. How many of you know where Tbilisi is? In Georgia, right? The country Georgia it used to be part of the old Soviet Union. We went to this old uh, monastery built in the 4th century. And then they told us the story of this place. A young lady by the name of Nino was sent from Cappadocia um, in modern-day Turkey to go, and she reached them, and soon there was a group of people who became followers of Jesus. They were going to put up a, put up a, a building that, which became the monastery, actually, and they started with a center beam But the beam was so tall and so heavy and the hole too small. It couldn't fit in and they tried for days to get this beam to to get into this hole. She came, prayed, and supernaturally, the beam moved into that hole. And that monastery is still there. There was a guy who... Um, made a painting, it was beautiful in the monastery. It is so beautiful, the painting, that they said this should never be repeated again. Guess what they did with him? They cut off his hands so that he could never repeat that same painting. And there's actually on the outside of the monastery, there's this, there's a plug with hands on it. Just imagine Pastor Louis preaches such a great sermon one morning, and they decided uh, nothing you can ever say will ever be better than that. Anyway, we're not going to go there. Just, but God is at work in Georgia, in the old Soviet Union. Secondly, it's about the priority of the kingdom. After his suffering, he presented himself to them, for Jesus The kingdom was a priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to him, to you. And then he says, The kingdom is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man found it, and then he goes and he sells everything because it was a priority. Is the kingdom of God a priority? For us, as Spikeman says, nothing matters but the kingdom, but because of the kingdom, everything, literally everything, matters. Wherever we go, we proclaim the good news of the kingdom to my neighbors, to the close to three billion people who have yet to hear of good news. And because the kingdom is a priority, therefore I submit to the kingdom. That's why I can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. My friend, when we say Jesus is Lord, what are we saying? I am saying that everything, every aspect of my life comes under the lordship of Christ. The decisions I make, the life decisions, where I decide to spend my money, all those things, it comes under the lordship of Christ. But it starts with personal transformation. Because when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered, The kingdom does not come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom is within you. The beginning of last year, I was in the US. I did some ministry there. Now, I had dodged COVID for two years. So, I was leaving the US, but as as you would remember back in those days, When you travel anywhere, you need to have a PCR test, right? So I had the PCR test, and much to my surprise, they said, you are, sir, you're not, the lady actually called me and said, you're not going anywhere. You are COVID positive. You have to stay for another 10 days in isolation. So I'm in the home of somebody else. I'm in the basement. It's cold. It is freezing. I went to walk go outside because how can you now get COVID outside? And I already have COVID. So in minus 17 degrees, I was walking outside and I was wrestling through this. I generally am an optimistic person. I don't really ha- suffer from anxiety, but I was having these waves of anxiety coming over me because what does it mean for these people? You know, I wasn't scared of that I was gonna die, to be honest, because I, I had no symptoms. But it's all these implications, right? And then my wife, I spoke to my wife. And the first thing she did, Debbie, as wives do, she said, Peter, just get over yourself. You know, there was no, I'm suffering here. Just get over yourself. And then she says, what is God's invitation to you? And God, when I asked that question, that was a brilliant question, by the way. God's invitation to me was embrace this time. My friend, today, what is God's invitation to you? Someone once said, When I was young, I set out to change the world. When I grew a little older, I perceived that this was too ambitious, so I set out to change my province. This too, I realized as I grew older, was too ambitious, so I set out to change my town. When I realized that I could not even do this, I tried to change my family. Now, as an old man, I know that I should have started by changing myself. If I had started with myself, maybe then I would have succeeded in changing my family, the town, or even the state, and who knows, maybe even the world. You know... I, let me just make a confession. I am not a prophet, nor am I the son of a prophet. In fact, I even work for a non-profit organization. <laughs> That's how much of a prophet I am not. But, but I believe not only is Jesus interested in my well-being, but He's interested in my transformation. He's interested in me every day becoming more and more like jesus being transformed i think did you read that wow being transformed from one degree of glory to another he's interested in my personal transformation and then just quickly if i do this i look at life through a kingdom perspective every one of us look at life through a unique set of glasses. And scientists have given this a term. It's called a paradigm. And my paradigm describes where I was born, my education, the community that I was born into, my life experiences, relationships, etc. I grew up in the 70s and 80s in apartheid South Africa. I am a product of my history. But I'm not a prisoner to my history. And so many of us are prisoners to our history, and I believe God wants to set us free so that we can truly be kingdom people. If we say we have a kingdom perspective, we view the world differently. Whatever practices and teaches these commandments will be called, whoever practices it will be called the greatest in the kingdom. My values change. The things I value change because kingdom values have become my values. In um, May this year, I was in a place called Basra, Iraq. I was shipped the Logos Hope so we work in 147 countries, but we also have a ship ministry. Our ship, the Logos Hope, was in Basra. And so they invited me to come and meet with these government officials. Somehow they said, <laughs> my colleague said, Peter, you look like a diplomat, so maybe just come and meet with these leaders. <laughs> and so I, I, I went, and it's interesting. I mean, they really treated me like royalty. When I walked into the, arrivals, into the arrivals hall, you know, we have to go through immigration. By the way, when I checked in my bag in in Cape Town, the lady said, you're going where? She had never heard of Basra before. She said, I had never checked anyone into Basra. So you are a first. Anyway, so I arrive there. And as I step into the arrival hall, there is a sea of people. And I go, this is going to be a mess here. This, how am I going to get? And I hear Peter. I look around, boom. I wanted to say, speak, Lord, your servant earth. No, I I wasn't going to do this. So he said, Peter, and then the guy said, Peter William. Now, there can be many Peters, but how many Peter Williams are there now? That's my middle name, by the way. And so they took me through this, and eventually I made it. Anyway, I am in Iraq, and meeting with these leaders, we sit at the long table, right, uh, and I had three lady colleagues with me. And then I noticed they are sitting at the, at the end of the table. You know? I said, well, oh, it's okay. So we finished our meal, then we moved for tea to another table, and I noticed as I was sitting down, only the men are sitting down at this table. And now I have a clash of values. What's your name again? You're the principal of the school, right? Yeah. Yeah, you're, it, the, the two of you. So I... Um, I have a clash of values because I value local culture, but I also value women in ministry. I value my colleagues. And so I have a a conflict now, and I said eventually to my host, I'm sorry, would you mind if I go and sit with my women colleagues because I don't want them to sit alone, and I want them to know that we value them. So, we have to look through our kingdom lenses. So, as kingdom people, we will be witnesses then in, according to Acts 1 verse 8. And a witness is someone who says, I know this to be true. Now, let me say this. All of us are witnesses. Can I get an amen? All of us are witnesses. Not all of us are necessarily called to go to Timbuktu or wherever. Some of us, I hope, will go. But all of us are witnesses. And we do this through one of three ways. Prayer. We pray. All of us can pray. And, you know, we complicate prayer so much, the church that I grew up in in Cape Town, on the Cape Flats, if you wanted people to know how spiritual you are, you have to pray for at least 20 minutes, stand up and pray. And you have to quote scripture, and you have to hint, and then you have to say, and God please touch brother so and so because he offended me. Anyway, so we've complicated prayer so much. All of us can pray. Friends, we often treat prayer as a last resort. When we've tried everything, now let's pray. No, prayer is always a first resort. I pray about everything, everywhere, all the time. So Jesus told them, wait for the Holy Spirit. Waiting is an integral part of prayer. Friends, I, let me just confess to you, I'm an imp- impatient person. I don't like waiting. I want to get things done. But waiting is so critical. When He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. OM works in 147 countries. We have two ships now. OM has given the gospel to about 2 billion people. We... Um, Our ships, we've had more than 60 million people who've come on board the ship. We've had 200,000 people who've come through the organization, 150 other organizations spun out of OM. Why am I telling you this? Not so that you can be impressed with OM. The reason I'm telling you this, there would be no OM today if it wasn't for a lady by the name of Dorothea Clapp. Dorothea Clapp never set foot out of New Jersey. She lived in New Jersey in a a house there. She was bedridden, I think. And she prayed for 15 years. And her prayer was, God, save these young people in the school opposite where she was staying. But not only save them, if you save them, send them. She sent the Gospel of John to a man by the name of, a boy by the name of George Verwer, read the Gospel of John. George Weber, by the way, preached here some years ago when Pastor Ed was here. George Verber started OM because of the prayers of this lady. Friends, I believe when we get to see Jesus, we are going to be surprised as to who the real heroes are. We so often hero worship people. And one of the things that disturbs me most about the global church is the fact that we are now into the celebrity culture. May we never get there. Jesus said, whoever wants to be first must be last. That is kingdom culture. We are called to serve. So we can pray. Secondly, we can give. We give out of our kingdom value of generosity. Remember, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Even as you are saying, God what do you want me to trust you for? It's a joy to give. You cannot outgive God. I was um, a few years ago with I, I. was speaking at a conference in Costa Mesa in California, and uh, there was a a lady with me, and she was going to tell a story. So, in the speaker's lounge where we were, she just told us her story. She and her husband were on the way to the mission field. Her husband was the son of a man who had started a uh, building construction business, and then the father died, and they said, the husband must take the business over. And they, they said, no, they are on the way. They felt that they should go. And they agonized. She said, both of us knelt at our beds, and we were crying as we said, Lord, if we say you are Lord, then if you tell us to stay we will stay anyway they made the decision they will live off whatever they make live off the salary of the at the same level as a youth for christ director the rest they will give away god has blessed their business to such a degree every month they give a million dollars to god's work globally god friends you can never out give gods. And then just quickly, lastly, going. After this, Jesus traveled from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Look at the scope. He says, here, yeah, there, everywhere. And you know what? He doesn't make it easy for them. He says, I'm going to send you back to Jerusalem and Judea where you are hated. And then I'm going to send you to Samaria where you may be hating some of them because, remember, the Jews didn't like the Samaritans. And then he said, I'm going to send you to the regions beyond, places you haven't even heard of. Friends, the reason we are still having about 3 billion people who haven't heard the name of Jesus once is because it is difficult. We have to be intentional. And we have to send some of us over, some of us have to go to the regions beyond. I often have to remind my colleagues, it's not because we think that we are more smarter or we work more smarter than our predecessors, no. The reason people, it's it's a tough job, but he promises that he would give them the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you, God will choose, will call to go. I hope all of you will pray for missions. I hope all of you will give towards missions friends i am in this business now for so long let me just share my story with you i was minding my my own business in cape town i was climbing the corporate ladder i was just a young guy i had a great job and when i told my manager that i'm joining om for 2 years he goes what you are an economist where why and then he made me put in my letter of resignation that I, will, I can come back after two years. But he also made me put in there, if this doesn't work out, you can come back. He didn't think I was going to make it. And as I tell the team, I'm such a slow learner, 35 years later, I am still on this road, right? But when God called me, one of the decisions, he, one of the promises he made was, You have not left houses, mother, brother, sister, or land for my sake, but that you will not be rewarded in this life with eternal life and in the next life, in this life a hundredfold, and in the next life with eternal life. A few years ago, somebody asked me, so Peter, have you ever gone to bed hungry? He felt sorry for me. And I said, yeah, on many occasions. And he goes, really? I said, yeah, on those occasions when I was fasting. Friends, I almost feel like David who said, I was young, I was old, and now I'm young, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken. If you trust God today, and I'm closing now, as you trust God today for what you should give, He will be faithful. Let me just close with a story. My favorite speaker, one of my favorite speakers, a man called Tony Campolo. I think he may even have spoken here. He's a great author. Tony Campolo, was in, he was in New York, he was telling us the story, and he's, or he was telling the story, and he's late for a meeting. So if you know New York, the pavements are busy. And he's walking towards, his, and there's a man standing there in the middle, blocking everyone, and saying to him, "Sir." Would you, do you want a sip of my coffee? And Campolo said, no, man, I'm late. Don't waste my time. And 20 meters further, he says, the Holy Spirit spoke in his heart and said, Campolo, you are such a hypocrite. You go around the world to tell people about the love of God, but you don't even want to give this man one minute of your time. So he turns around and he says, actually, I I would take a sip of your coffee. So the man gave him a sip of the coffee And he gave the cup back to the man. And then the guy says to him, Sir, can I ask you one more favor? And Campolo said, I knew it. He was reaching in his pocket for his wallet. Thought this guy wants money, right? And the guy said, Sir, would you give me a hug? And he opened his arms and he gave this guy a hug. Now he says the guy didn't smell so great. But he gave him a hug and he said, In that moment the Holy Spirit said, Inasmuch as you've done it to one of these, the least of my brothers, you have done it to me. Then he gives him, as he uh, then he says to him, you know, as he walked away, Sir, why did you give me a sip of your coffee today? He said, you know, this morning when I got this cup of coffee from McDonald's and I took the first sip, I said to myself, This coffee tastes so great, I must share it with someone else today. Friends, the good news of Jesus is so great. We must share it with others. Let's just reflect for a minute, and then I'm going to ask the worship team or Pastor Louis to come up and close. But let's just reflect for a minute. What is God saying to you right now? so easy for us just to rush out, but what is God's invitation to you right now? Lord, help us to be obedient to that which you are inviting us to even right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, friends.
0: Thank you, Peter. One of you will stand with me. As I close our service in prayer, team, you don't have to come up. Thank you so much, Peter, for not just what you have shared with us, but you know every time somebody shares a message, there's a life behind that message that makes that message possible. And we celebrate your life. We value not only what you have seen the Lord do as you've responded to him, but what he will still do with you and with OM. And we're so thankful for the blessing that O.M., and you have been to so many nations. But who knows what God can do with a person that says, here am I, send me. Send me across the street. Sometimes the sending is to a family member. Sometimes the sending is to a colleague at work, to a friend in your favorite coffee shop or your local grocery store. Sometimes the sending is a bit further, but we're all sent every day. So can we just respond this morning to the Lord and say, here am I, send me. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the kingdom, for this most amazing message of all, that you have come to be with us, to live among us, to be our God, and that we can be your people. And thank you, Lord, that this kingdom is not just for a few but it is for all. That you go into the highways and the byways and you tell people, come, I have prepared a place for you. Thank you, Lord, that we get to tell people about this. We get to invite people, not just through our words, but through our lives. We live lives that display the kingdom. And thank you for that. And so, Lord, we all come and we say, here we are, send us. I pray for every person here today That you will be with them by your Holy Spirit. You will empower them for their front lines in Jesus' name. Thank you for the good things that you will do through them so that this nation and the nations beyond may know that God is with us. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want to say thank you for being with us this morning. If you want prayer for anything, if you just desire the Lord, to touch you. If you perhaps want to come and say, Lord, I don't know you. I want to get to know the Lord. Please come to the front and our team will be here. If I can ask the shepherds and community group leaders that are here if you would also be available just to pray for people. We'd really appreciate that because many of us are going over to the functional to be with government leaders, those that are leaders and diplomats. Please join us in the functional. It's just out the building. It's situated on my right hand side. We're going to be there in a couple of minutes and then we're going to start and just spend some time with you in prayer and then also just those of you that are online and would like to reach out to us and have somebody pray with you you can send an email to pray at and then lastly please remember those that are interested in finding out more about our community you can meet Lena in the function hall may the lord bless you and keep you have a fantastic week